All right, good morning. If you don't know me, my name is Justin. I am the youth pastor here. And uh, thank you, youth, for showing up here. It's, it's nice. It's comforting. Um, but uh, before we get started, I wanted to uh, announce one thing about next week. So we have Worship in the Park next week that was mentioned earlier. But I wanted to let you guys know that we won't be live streaming next week. Uh, we will record it, and then it will be uploaded in the late afternoon or so. So I would say probably around three or four, you'll see it drop on YouTube um, or our website. So just understand that, um, that it won't be live stream, but it'll be after. So hopefully you guys can make it. If not, then uh, look around three or four and it should be there. So you can have an evening service if you can't make it, which is pretty cool. Um, Well, we're going to be actually in James this morning. So go ahead, if you have your Bibles, open up to James chapter 1. We're actually going to be doing some thumb exercises because we'll, pro- we'll be going, we'll be flipping through some pages. I just want to warn you, set expectations that you may get some exercise with your fingers, okay? Um, but, but we're going to primarily be in James chapter 1. Now James, he was the half-brother of, of Jesus, and he writes the following in the first chapter of his letter. So James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test or he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So I love the book of James. It's actually probably one of my top five favorite books of the Bible. Um, the reason why is because if Nike, okay, were a book of the Bible, yeah, Nike, the clothing company, if they were a book of the Bible, it would probably be James because it's the just do it book, okay? It's all about, okay, this is the gig. We've heard it. We talked about it. Now let's do it, okay? And not just being hearers of the word, but being doers of the word. So it's actually really good um, for, especially for me, because I like, I like the progress, I like goal setting, and I like the progress to get to the goal. So James is great for me because I'm like, okay, great, we can talk about it now. Now, okay, now we, get, now we can get to do it, you know? And so it's practical Christian living. And that's why I love James. It's easy to understand. It's like, just get to the point, okay, we're good. So um, that is the book of James. And the verse that I love in, in, in verse 12 is, blessed is the one who endures trials. Okay, blessed is the one who endures trials uh, because, okay, because when he has stood the test or when he has been approved, will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So James is like, check this out. I'm not tapping out, Okay. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm going to endure these trials because I want the blessing at the other end. So this, t- today the sermon is, I'm not tapping out, okay? I'm not tapping out. Are you kidding me? Let's, let's, let's do this thing. We got this. Yes, we know that there's an enemy. Yes, we know that there's temptations. Yes, we know there's trials. But the reality is, is God is with us. And we're going to kind of break that down a little bit as we, as we go on. So everyone will face temptations. It's not a surprise, Maybe a surprise to some of you. Most of you, it's not a surprise. We're going to face temptations. It's going to happen. And there's no escaping it. Trust me. If there's a way to escape it, man, I would figure that one out. Okay? But there's just not. 
Okay, we're going to face temptations. We're going to face trials. It's going to happen. And you can tell because in verse 13, it says, when he is tempted. Okay, not if. Okay, it's when he is tempted. Now, God will test us. The devil will tempt us. Okay, so we're going to break this down a little bit. God will test us. The devil will tempt us. So God will test us to bring out the good. Okay? The devil, on the other hand, will tempt us to bring out the bad. God will test us to bring out the good. The devil will tempt us to bring out the bad. So, for example, I'm a drummer. I've been drumming for, I don't know how many years. It's been a long time. Okay? But when I first started drumming, it was the most frustrating process possible. Because the fact of having to play different things on different limbs was the, the biggest hurdle I have ever experienced as a seven-year-old kid, okay? It was mind-blowing. I'm like, this is not possible. It is impossible. And people ask me all the time, that, or they say they can't play drums because of that reason. They can't play with all the limbs. And I'm like, well, you can. You just got to practice, okay? But the reality is, is back in the day when I was seven years old, I took drum lessons by a police officer, and it was probably one of the scariest traumatic things in my life because he would get off his shift and he would still be in complete uniform. He'd have his gun, his handcuffs, pepper spray. And I'm like, man, if I miss this beat or get off time, what's going to happen? No. But the reality is it was that, that, was, that was that. And I remember going home and I was really excited about playing drums. This, is, this was the instrument. My sister was kind of, at, at that time, she was kind of thinking about the piano, but my instrument was the drums. But I got so discouraged, okay, so discouraged because I could not get the drumming down. I couldn't get the beat. I couldn't play with different limbs. And that was what he was practicing me with is realizing that I have to switch my mindset and not so focus on playing with my limbs, but just kind of just tune in to the beat. And eventually it's going to click. And he kept on saying, it's going to click. It's going to click. And I'm like, it's not going to click, okay? And um, I remember I was really deep in drums, okay? Because the reality is, is that whole summer, my parents said, look, if you, we want to help you buy a drum set, but we want you to kind of put up some money to know that you're really interested. So if you pay half of the set, then we'll cover the other half. So what I did is I went with my lawnmower, my weed whacker. I went around the neighborhoods and I looked for people whose grass was like this tall. And I was like, okay, you need your lawn cut. So I knock on their door. I'm like, hey, 20 bucks, I'm mow your lawn. They're like, sweet. So I saved up the entire summer for half my set. But it was the point where I wanted to quit because I couldn't get it down. And guess what? It got to the point where it was an external trial, okay? But then I was taking it inside. I was getting tempted by discouragement. I was getting tempted by worthlessness, insecurity. I'm seven years old, but I was just so done and wanted to throw it away because I was so discouraged by the process of that trial, okay? And so... Why does James present both trials and temptations together? What is the relationship between testing without and and temptations within? So simply this, okay? If you're not careful, the testings on the outside can become temptations on the inside. Let me explain this. But because when our circumstances are difficult, we may find ourselves discouraged, complaining against God, questioning his love, resisting his will. You see what I mean? Like the trials that are just there to test us, to show us self-approved, can actually turn in for us to bite on the bait the enemy has for us because then we're discouraged, we're questioning God's favor, his, his love, his will, and we start going on this rabbit trail 
And that's what happened with my drum playing. It was just this thing of like, just get the beat down. But I was getting so frustrated that I just wanted to throw it all away and go off a different direction. I'm like, well, maybe I'll just learn the kazoo. I'm done with this. Okay? That's where my attitude was. I was actually practicing the recorder, which is, I think, a joke. Is that a joke? Maybe it's not a joke because I, I'm not going to say it's a joke because some people play it. But to me, I was like, I'm playing Mary Had a Little Lamb. Like, this, sounds, this is more comfortable for me. But the reality is, is no. Like, I realized that it was just a test. With anything, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to be better at finances, you got to say no and live within your means. Trying to lose weight, you got to say no and eat what's good for you, right? There's testing that is involved with anything you're trying to get better at or anything. And that's just the reality is God's point is that he wants the good to come out. Guess what? One day I went there, didn't even have the beat down, but it then just clicked. I got it. I was able to play with all my limbs without stopping. Because before I was like this, and I'd be like, uh, uh, like that. But now I was just like, I was going for it, and I was so excited that I was able to show myself approved. Like, and then, you know, my, the police officer, drum teacher was like, that a boy, you know? And I was like, yes, I got a that a boy even. Like, that is fantastic. But when we're at this point, when we're resisting his will, when we're discouraged by maybe the trial, and we kind of start breaking it inward now, okay, we provide an opportunity for us to escape. Satan actually provides an opportunity for us to escape that mentality, okay? And then the opportunity is temptation. Whenever temptation arises is usually, sometimes, most of the time, not all the time, but it's usually because we're trying to get out our mind off of something, right? We're trying to detour something. We don't want to be uh, having to handle the process or the whatever is going on. And so the enemy likes to then say, hey, here's another opportunity. Check it out. You know, and that's what I'm talking about is that, yes, there's trials and, and the Lord wants the good, but sometimes we take that inward because we're discouraged by the trial. And then we start going in this sinful path. So, We never want to underestimate the seductive power and pull of temptation. We never want to underestimate that. It's so easy to do. We put our guard down. We think we can handle it, but it is a pull. Okay? And we never want to underestimate that. The biggest mistakes we can say is, I can handle it. It's the famous last words all the time. And I've done that before. Oh, I can do it. You know, I can get this. You know? And it's usually when I'm trying to fix something in my marriage. It's usually, oh, I got that, yeah. And then, like, you know, it's just a downward spiral from there. You know, you guys know that. Because even the strongest Christians can easily fall into the enticement of the devil. None of us are exempt. None of this. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. I don't care how short you've been walking with the Lord. The reality is that all of, we're all in this together. That's a high school musical song. We're all in this. T- I'm not going to sing it. I'm a drummer, right? <laughs> But we are. We're, we can all be. We can all fall in the enticements of the devil. So not only do we need to recognize the power of temptations, we need to realize that the devil is powerful. Okay, and we don't want to underestimate him. Okay, when you're tempted, remember this: the devil has to first get permission from the Lord. 
okay? And he can't do more than what he's allowed to do. There is a protection. Now, it actually talks about that. that There's a hedge of protection, but I don't like using that word when I'm with youth because there's a comedian, Tim Hawkins, who really butchered that. If you guys want to look that up, go to Tim Hawkins' hedge of protection, and you'll see. But the reality is, is the Lord is protecting us. He's protecting us. He has a hedge of protection around us. So we should be comforted in that to know that God wants what's good. He wants what's good to come out. The enemy wants the bad to come out. So remember that. Focus on that. So where does temptation actually come from? Well, James answers this question by first pointing out where it does not come from. So verse 13 says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So where does it not come from? Does not come from God. Okay. So where does it come from? Well, verse 14 then gives us the answer. We go down there and says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Without question, we play a part in our own temptation, okay? Satan needs our cooperation for the tempting process, okay? Where there is no desire on our part, then there is no temptation, right? Like if I don't like Taco Bell, I'm not going to be tempted by the most amazing promotional videos that Taco Bell puts out. If you guys don't know, I love Taco Bell. But if I hated it, I'd be like, that doesn't, doesn't affect me at all. But no, it does affect me because I'm like, the grilled cheese burrito? What? What is that? There's Fritos in the burrito of the Dorito? I'm like, yes. Sign me up. Rewards programs just launched last week? Absolutely. Free Doritos. Like, no, that's the thing. If there's no cooperation, if we're not tempted by whatever, if we're not going to get affected by that. Okay. We need, Satan needs our cooperation. Greg Laurie says this, and he says, The flesh with its evil desires is the internal foe. Satan with his enticements is the external foe. The flesh with, with its evil desires is the internal foe, the enemy inside of us. Satan with his enticement, enticements is the external foe, the enemy outside of us. Okay? We sin. We fall in temptations. We win when we give in to our own temptations. We sin, we fall into temptations when we give in, okay? So the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? Sometimes people blame God for our temptations. Now, I'm not saying that you guys probably know about this and understand that temptations don't come from God and all this, but the reality is, is sometimes we get in to our mind that it's God's problem, you know? Rather than just dealing with it and realize that there's, there's a battle going on, there's a spiritual warfare going on, we kind of just shift the blame a little bit. And that's exactly what James is addressing. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Okay? We say, well, this, this you know, God let this happen to me. It's his fault. You know, and maybe we don't directly say that, but our actions kind of get there. You know, sometimes we, we don't really, we, we know that's not God, but, but our actions, all of a sudden, we, we, we don't trust. We don't get, we don't surrender our life. We don't yield. You know, we, we, we don't like, we don't seek his face. We don't surrender the problem. We don't go to his word. In, in our actions, we're, what we're doing is we're actually saying, God, it's your fault. I don't want you to deal with it. No, because if we know that God is the one that can take that, can help us, 
and get us through, we're going to run to that. But we get so messed up in our mind that, oh, it's not going to work. God's not going to help or whatever that's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, we're just, we're out there. We're getting tempted. We're on that track. Isn't that what Adam did? Okay. After he ate the forbidden fruit and he heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, the Lord said, Adam, where are you? Have you eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Now, what did Adam say? It's the woman you gave me. Okay? So either he's saying this. Either he said, it's the woman you gave me, placing the blame on Eve, which was wrong. Okay? Um, I've tried that with my wife. You know? It's the woman you gave me. You know? It doesn't work. But Adam was responsible for his own actions even though Eve played a part, right? It takes two to tango, okay? Adam had to make that decision. That decision was on him. Or did Adam say, it's the woman you gave me? You, Lord, you know? I was taking a nap. I woke up and I was a rib short. Look it. What did you do to me? You know, kind of a thing. <laughs> didn't, didn't, don't say God tempted me. Don't say God did this to me. And I think sometimes, yeah, maybe we don't say it outwardly, but our actions are representing that. We're so focused on the trial, the temptation, the whatever, that we're like, why God? Why did you do that? Why did you do this? You know, we're so messed up. Rather than going back to realizing that God uses testings to produce good. The enemy wants to produce the bad. So first off, we got to know where this is coming from. Okay? We do that today don't we? we? We like to shift the blame. Um, instead of accepting our own responsibility, like Adam, he didn't accept his own responsibility. He shifted the blame. You know, my grandpa, whenever he would, you know, pass gas, he would, uh, he would blame the dog every single time. Pepper, how dare you? You know? And, but that's the thing. It's like, and that's a funny, a funny thing, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe some of you guys don't like that humor, but... I have two boys, so it's just what it's about in our household. Um, but Adam brought it upon himself. Instead of accepting his own responsibility, he shifted the blame. And we can do that too. No one wants to take responsibility for their own actions anymore. Nobody does. It's always someone's fault. It was their fault. It was her fault. It was his fault. He did this. She did that. You know, it's, we're all victims. We're a nation of all victims. We're all entitled. We all so- suffer from s- low self-esteem. And that's just the reality of where we're at. No one wants to say, you know what? That was me. That was on me. When I hear someone say that, I'm like, you know what? You are a man for saying that. When someone stands up and says, you know what? That was on me. It's all on me. I take the blame for that. I'm like, I respect you for that. Because no one does that anymore. Or very few. There are some. There's there's actually a lot. (laughs) I'm trying to say is for the whole sphere, there's a lot of... Blaming other people, shifting the blame. It's never taking your own responsibility. It's always, well, the reason why is I was in this part and this happened and this happened. No, if you're an alcoholic, you say, well, it's the result. It's, you don't say it's the result I've made. It's always because of something. It's because of this or it's because of that or it's because of hardships or whatever. It's never like, you know what? Yeah, there could have been all that in play, but the reality is, is you still are the one deciding things. Okay. If you cheat on your wife or cheat on your husband, well, I was in a trap. I didn't want to, you know. 
not taking responsibility for what you did. It's not like you just wake up and all of a sudden you just cheat on your wife. You know, it's not just like all of a sudden you wake up and you're an alcoholic. There's things that progress. And a lot of it is shifting the blame is every man's right in his own eyes is justifying, you know, your actions rather than realizing, you know what, this is a temptation and I've bit into it. It was me who was enticed. But we have, we have to accept responsibility for what we do and stop blaming our culture, our environment, our friends, our coworkers, our bosses, and say, I'm responsible. I have done this. Okay? Verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. Now, the word entice actually paints this picture of a juicy worm. Okay? Being dangled before a fish, and the fish has cravings to eat it. Okay? Sounds lovely. Okay? Causing the fish to bite. The idea of bait in front of a fish. Now, when I was young and I first started fishing, I don't fish anymore. I'm not a fisherman at all. Um, but when I first started, I don't even know if that makes sense, I first started fishing, I practiced fishing a couple times. Okay? But my dad got me a f- uh, uh, my first fishing pole, and I remember it. It was a Hot Wheels fishing pole. It was fantastic. Like the reel had like the little Hot Wheel tires on it and everything, and it was like red and yellow, and it was just flames off the side. It was just like amazing, you know. I think it even had like an like a light or something, if I remember correctly. If like when it, when it was like turned red inside, I don't remember like the little button, but it was fantastic. But the thing that I really loved is I loved going to the because um, I was all about the gear. It wasn't about like doing the thing; it was about like having the right gear to do it being prepared. But I remember going to the, uh, the fish bait store. Is that what you call it? Sorry if you're a fisherman, I'm butchering all of this. But the bait store, that sounds correct, right? Whatever. But the reality is, is I went there and I was so fascinated by power bait. Because in my mind, I'm like, this is the most fantastic color ever. Got the neon pink, the neon green, it's all sparkly and everything. I love colors. I have a thing with colors. I love when there's a promotional when something's laid out good, I like get drawn into it. But when it's bad, I only look at it. That's, that's me with colors. Okay? It has to have a good palette. So power bait was like, yes, I love these colors. And so in my mind, as the fish, you know, as has that, in, I don't even know if power bait, is, does it even exist anymore? Do you even use it? I don't know. I'm just saying that's what I used. But the fact is, I can just see these fish with this nice, beautiful, scented, power bait sparkling in the, in the lake or whatever. I mean, that's the bait. It's eye-catching, you know? Or the worm, it's juicy for the fish. The fish is like, smells it. It's like, man, this is so good. But for Satan to win, we must listen, yield, and desire what he has to offer. Like the fish. You can't just go like this with your fishing pole and just hope you're just going to like hit something, you know? I just like, okay, okay maybe, maybe the hook will just land right, just right. No, the fish has to go and grab the bait, okay? Now, Satan will use all different kinds of bait, all different kinds of power bait, okay? All the shiny stuff and whatever, whatever floats your boat. He, whatever button he has to press, he'll do. Whatever you're into, whatever you're, whatever, you, whatever. He knows you. He's studied you. He's a good con man, okay, with greasy hair and everything. Okay, he knows what's up. He knows how to make you bite. So he lays it out there for you. So remember, it's not the bait that is sin. It's the bite. Just like Joseph, you know, Potiphar's wife is like, hey. And he's like, no. And he runs away. 
Okay? Now, it wasn't sin for Joseph, for Potiphar's wife to be like, hey, you know? Or I don't know how she stand it, said, but hey, I don't know. But the reality is, is like, that wasn't sin. The sin would have been handed to him, would have been like, hey, you know? But he's like, no, and he ran out. See what I mean? It's not, if something happens and there's the temptation, that right there is not the sin. It's when you bite, when you get lured in, when you get enticed. So now we're going to break this down. There's three categories that temptation falls into. Let's go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 2. This is where your exercises come in, your thumb exercises. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. It says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but it is from the world. So three categories that temptation falls into is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So the lust of the flesh speaks of our physical drive. God has placed certain needs in us as human beings, the need to eat, to drink, to breathe. He's given us a sexual drive. Yes, youth. Now these drives can be satisfied properly in their appropriate place. Okay? So for example, if you need to eat, you can be satisfied by a meal. If you need to eat, you can drink some water. Okay? The sex drive can be satisfied in a marriage relationship between a man and a woman committed to one another. Just like this, you have a fireplace in a home. It warms the home. It's a perfect setting because it's in the right place. You take the fire outside of the fireplace, you put it in the living room, your entire house then burns down. That's what it is with marriage in the right context. Or, yes, that, but also sex in the right context. When it's in the a marriage relationship between a man and a woman committed to one another. The problem is these drives can become sinful if they're taken out of context. So, for example, my drive for food can become gluttony. Okay, my drive for sleep can turn into laziness and I can become a sloth. My drive for sex, we can try to fulfill it outside of marriage, which God will never bless. Okay? So, it's the lust of my flesh, it's the desires. Now, the lust of the eyes... This, is, this one's different. It speaks of my mind and my imagination and my thoughts, okay? When we think about things, you probably notice the most sins you have fallen have been first dabbled in your mind, okay? If you think about it, the sins that you've, you've fallen into, it first started up here. You know, you weren't taking your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. It could, it could be like, like bad things, like, you know, like, like well, they're, all, they're all sin, so they're all the same in God's eyes. But what I'm trying to say is like, they could be like, like things that affect other people. It could be things that affect just you, like your mindset, like depression, discouragement, anxiety. If you're not keeping your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. So that's what we got to do, right? We got to keep those thoughts captive. But you probably notice that most of your sins have been right up here. And maybe it was a TV show you saw or a song you listened to or a movie you watched or something you saw on social media, but it completely just distracted you and got you completely off track. Okay, that's the lust of the eyes. Now, the pride of life, this person could be the one that says, I'm good with the lust of the flesh. I'm good with the lust of the eyes. I don't stumble with any of those things, you know. Ah, but you're guilty of the pride of life, Okay. This could be a person who is trying to do the right thing, who thinks they all have it together, 
Okay, self-righteous attitude, I can do no wrong. Judgment is the first to judge someone, that kind of thing, okay? They kind of look down their nose like this, like, oh, you're into that? Well, I'm not, you know? Sorry, I can't, I'm not good at that thing. But that's, that's the thing is, is that's the pride of life. That very sin can keep you from Christ, Because the pride and arrogance that keeps you from saying, search my heart, God, that keeps you away from yielding to God, that you have it all together. You don't need God's help because you know it, okay? That right there is keeping you away from saying, God, you know what? Just show me where I need to improve. Like, I don't even know my heart. You do, though. Like, put magnifying glasses on the spots that I need to be yielded in. So, All sin will fall into those three categories. When Eve was tempted by the serpent at the tree of knowledge of good and evil, all three of these areas were revealed. So in Genesis 3, 6, you can turn there if you want, but in Genesis 3, 6, it says, The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So there it is, the lust of the eye. Eve saw that the tree was good for food. Um, the lust of the flesh, you know, good for food, delightful to look at, took the fruit, ate it, pride of life, desirable to make one wise. So you might be resisting the devil on one front, but he is setting up camp on the other, okay? You might say, well, I got this area down, but watch out because the pride of life will creep in. The pride of life will creep in. Guard your heart. Keep your guard up. Keep your guard up. So, realize that the flaming arrows of temptation are always flying your way. Satan is subtle. He's a dangerous wolf, often disguising himself as a sheep. We know these things, but we still then fall into these traps, right? So, sometimes we will roar like a lion. Sometimes he will roar like a lion. Um, but a lot of time, he is like a slithering serpent. Sometimes he is, he'll appear freaky and scary, and sometimes he'll be an angel of light, Okay? But the good news is not only does God protect us, he will also never let us face more than we can handle. And, and remember this, again, going back to God wants what's good to come out. Satan wants the bad to come out. So don't tap out, okay? Yes, temptation is all around us, but what, what have we learned so far, okay? Um, I like to take like little intermissions in my sermons and kind of go back to a little bit and then we kind of go back to finish out the conclusion. But number one, we've learned this. God is not the one that is responsible for our temptation. He allows it, but he protects us so we can bear it. There's always a way out. Number two, we, because of our own desires, are pulled in by the temptation power. And number three, temptations and trials can always be endured and overcome because James says this, blessed is the man that endures or perseveres temptations or trials. And we can become stronger as a result. So kind of coming to the end of today's sermon is when does temptation come? When does it come? We know where it doesn't come from. Okay, we know that the enemy, it has the bait, how we will try to, we, we have to be enticed, lured into that, okay? But when does it come? Well, let's just say it doesn't come in opportune times, doesn't it? Uh, usually, after great blessings, 
Okay? Let's turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. It says, starting in verse 9, At the time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love with you. I am well pleased. Now, what just happened to Jesus here? Well, he was baptized in the Jordan River. God's spirit came on him in a form of a dove. It was a glorious moment that I would love to, like, see. (laughs) And now comes the attack, if you will. Okay? So don't be surprised if you, you know, spent the morning in just an amazing devotion. Okay, or maybe you're at church and you heard a message and and there was some conviction, or maybe there was just like encouragement and you're just like really blessed or whatever. Maybe you just got done with the women's koinia and you're pumped. Okay, and you're like, yes, this was encouraging. Whatever the case may be, okay, it usually comes from a, a time of rejoicing, encouragement, getting on track, starting to make those moves, and then bam, you get hit with heavy duty temptation. Say, what's that all about? Well. That's the way it works because sometimes we let our guard down a little bit. We're so encouraged and we're so excited and we're so blessed. We're like, yes, it's amazing. And sometimes the enemy's like, yes, I can go in there right now. Boom! Kind of a thing. So keep our guard up. Oftentimes temptations and attacks, we talk about this a lot. When we have youth camps or when we go to man camps or women's issues, we talk about like, guys, when you get back down the mountain, remember that there's spiritual warfare. Because it seems like when we have these mountaintop experiences, the times we make those big steps, the enemy is right there, and he's wanting to just, he's wanting to attack. So it's interesting in both of these scenes, okay? So first, baptizing the Jordan, and Jesus transfigured on the mountaintop, God spoke something, okay? Do you guys remember the time when, when God uh, spoke on the, 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 was transfigured on the mountaintop? with Moses and Elijah. And again, God the Father spoke and said, this is my beloved son, hear him. So two times God speaking. One, when he was getting baptized. Another, when he was transfigured on the mountaintop. And then, all of a sudden, as they descended down, what was waiting at the bottom of the mountaintop but a demon-possessed child, okay? So what happened after the baptism? Well, immediately, the Spirit, in verse 12, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness... Let me get my mic back on. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. So whenever God spoke, the devil was there to oppose him. Okay? So realize that. Realize that the enemy is, he knows. He's out to get, you know, he wants to distract you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to mess you up. Okay? Understand that. So maybe our guard is down, you know, and, uh, And when you think it's not going to happen, it's usually going to happen. (laughs) And understand this, no matter how many great spiritual heights you have known in your spiritual walk, you're never going to outgrow being tempted at all. So be careful, because sometimes we can can get to that spot. Well, that will never happen to me. It's the pride of life. The Bible says, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Or I love this translation. It's a CSB translation. Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. 
You know, do you guys know where the first sin was committed? In the Garden of Eden? No. Actually, it was, com- it was not committed on earth. It was actually in heaven by Lucifer who said, I want to be like God. And of course, he lost his one exalted position. Okay? He, 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 was, he was committed. And um, so, so first sin, so the first sin ever committed was committed by Lucifer who then became Satan. Lucifer means the son of the morning, which it once was. Now it's become the accuser of the brethren. Pride goes before a fall. Pride is the root of all evil, right? And so remember, whatever, no matter what angle it is, God or the enemy is going to want to hit you at that. So keep your guard up. So wrapping this all up, how do we resist temptation? How do we resist it? The word of God. The word of God is how you resist the temptation. Jesus occupied ground that we too can occupy. Okay? Luke 4, 4. By, but Jesus answered him saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Over and over and over again, he's like, it is written. It is written. In Ephesians 6, it says to put on the full armor of God, right? We've talked about that. We know that. Paul says to take the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Now, all those items that were listed, and guys, I'm telling you, Paul had a lot of time to really look at an armored guard, you know, in prison and just be like, Hey, what does that do? Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. You know what I'm talking about? Like he, he was able to like re- take all the armor of God and, and put it, the armor and put it spiritually. But the reality is, is there was only one offensive weapon. All of them were defense weapons. In other words, when you go into battle as a Roman soldier, you don't take, take up your helmet and be like, come here, kid. Uh, uh, no, you keep your helmet on and you use your sword. And that has so much power, is God's word. God's word is living. It is active. God knows exactly what you need for the day. You don't even know what you need for the day. You just don't. He does. He knows what's going to happen to you later that day. He maybe knows a trial or a circumstance where that will appear. Maybe that you're walking, you're, you're pumping your gas, and there's this person who just needs some help. You're just in tune. He knows. Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young man cleanse his way? Well, the answer is by taking heed according to your word. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Memorize scripture, guys. I deal with youth all the time and the excuse is, I have a horrible memory. Yeah, you're 16. But also you can remember a lot of movie quotes. You know, you can remember stuff. I still remember things from a long time ago, things I, I, I remember today. But you know what? There's different seasons in my life where I just, I want to hide these words in my heart because when the opportune time comes and the enemies come in, I can just start saying those, 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 those verses. It's a reminder. And it's crazy how many times I've said a verse, probably thousands of times, but it's so active and so appropriate at that time. It's so healing for me. It's a crazy thing. There's power in the word of God. There just is. 
That is why the enemy does not want you to read it, why he doesn't want you to have that prayer life, that devotion life, to meditate on it. He doesn't want that because he knows that it is a tank in the spiritual realm. He knows. He can't handle it. He doesn't want you to even get there, so he distracts you, and he says it's worthless, and you're worthless, and blah, 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 so you can't even get to reading the word. So Jesus was showing us how the sword is used when an attack comes. That is the hope of the Christian. Verse 13 of Luke 4 says, And the devil ended every temptation and departed from him forever? No. <laughs> Until an opportune time. Devil's like, I'll be back. See, I know movie quotes as well. But Mark 1.11 through 13, let's go back there to Mark 1.11 through 13. We're going to kind of end with this verse. Mark 1.11 through 13. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. At once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. Listen, guys, the devil, he is powerful, a powerful angelic being. I'm no match for him, but Christ is. Christ is. Because greater is he that is in me that he is in the world. When Satan comes, he comes knocking at your door. You say, Jesus, can you open that for me? I need your help. Because <laughs> it's there. Coming from an anxious thought to a worry to a doubt to shame to insecurities to temptations that are luring us to entice us. Lust of the eye, pride of life, whatever the case may be. God Loves us. He cares for you. He has your back. He wants to bring out the good. So let's rely on him. So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Check this out. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. After God spoke to him, after he was baptized, he was so in tune by the Spirit that the Spirit's like, hey, you go into the wilderness. Why? To get tempted. (laughs) He was so in tune. He was abiding. He was in the will of his father. God was so pleased. How amazing church would it be if God can say, you know what? I am so well pleased of you. You're abiding. You're doing it. You're teaching the word. You're you're reading the word. You're talking to your neighbors. You're not getting distracted. You're abiding. How amazing would that be? The only defense against Satan is Christ living in you, okay? Christ living in you. So in chapter four of Luke, he began, he began full of the Holy Spirit and then he was led by the Spirit. And then in vo- verse 14, it says, then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Spirit never left. And that's the thing I think sometimes what happens is when the attacks come, if it's a trial and the Lord's just trying to test us and see if we're approved and then we take it inwardly and we start getting all like tempted and we take the bait and whatever that is or the temptations, you know, and we leave the Holy Spirit, you know, we leave, we leave abiding in his will. We get off on, you know, a, a rabbit trail somewhere. Guys, that is such a big mistake because we're going to get hammered. We're going to get hammered. We're going to lose hope. We're going to get discouraged. We're going to really hurt people, hurt people, hurt people, and see how that goes. So he began full of the Spirit, began led by the Spirit, and now returning in the power of the Spirit. And guys, that work of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus, leading him, filling him, empowering him, we as believers have the same privilege. 
We believers have the same privilege to be filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So, I love James because it's like, you know what? We've heard it. We got it. (laughs) Now let's do this. I'm telling you what, guys. There was a time, a season in my life where I thought that, you know, and we buy into this lie that the word doesn't do anything. For whatever reason, maybe we just get distracted by other things. We don't make time for it. We don't make it a priority. But I'm telling you what, guys, like understanding of how much I need to be in tune, it's, it's, it's crazy. I don't want to miss out on what God has in store for me because I'm not in tune what he wants. I'm distracted. I'm off on these various things or this various agenda or having to spread the word about whatever other than just getting back to the rudiment, back to the foundation, back to the heart of worship and realizing, God, you know what I need because guess what? You don't know what you need. Your agenda, your priority could be completely swayed, but God does. God knows when you need to step up. God knows when you need to be bold. God knows when you need to shut up. He knows. So why don't we lean on him and we, 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 we abide in the vine and then let him drive? So let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's, let's uh, be empowered by the Spirit. And let's see what the church can do. Let's see what we can do with our neighbors, with our friends, with our family, with our coworkers. Like I've had, I, I used to work for Apple, okay? And I have a ton of coworkers who've been texting me just random stuff. And it's been, it's been honestly overwhelming by the stuff that they've been talking to me about. And they're searching They're wondering. And if I am so distracted on my various agendas, I would lose out on these opportunities to show Jesus, to love God and to love his people. So let's do that today. Let's love God. Let's love his people. Let's be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And uh, man, let's let's just run this race. So guess what? Guess why? So, because in James, blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test of time or has been approved, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this passage, God, and for James. And God, I just pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just be hearers of this, Lord, but we would be doers of this, God, that we wouldn't be distracted by just the stuff that is happening in our world, what is happening on social media versus what's happening online, which is happening on the news, what's happening, whatever. There's a time and a place for us to be bold, to stand up, to say what's up. But God, I don't want to do that until you tell me to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to speak until you tell me to speak. Lord, I want to be so empowered and so in tune. I want the spirit to say, you know what? Let's lead you now to this season of temptation. Like, I want to be so in tune that Jesus did, because guess what? He was, he was led by the spirit. The spirit was empowering him in the midst of these temptations. And then he came out the other side, just filled. I want that in my life. Lord, I pray that our church would want that in their life, Lord, that we would be a church that is salt and light, that we would be salty light bulbs, that we would, it would be so evident that we love God and we love people. Lord, I just pray, God, that we would take this seriously, God, that we would, we would want to be in your word, that we'd be hungry for your word. And we just thank you in your name. Amen.